All right, guys, welcome in to today's episode of Southeast Suits Podcast. It is Tuesday, October 2nd, 2018. And on today's episode, a very in-depth conversation uh, with our good friend Sam Snelling of Rock M Nation. Uh, always enjoy catching up with Sam. I've had him on the podcast several times, been on his podcast several times. Uh, if you love SEC basketball and you want someone that kind of uh, I guess approaches it the way that I do. Uh, Sam is probably as close as it gets because he does a great job with all of his SEC previews that he does over at Rock M Nation in addition to the stuff that he does uh, on Missouri. And we did spend some time talking about both. We talked a lot about Missouri in terms of what the expectations are for that team this season coming off the NCAA tournament appearance last year, going into Conzo Martin's second season on the job. We talked a lot about the roster, uh, just the expectations, and Conzo Martin's coaching style. Uh, very fascinating just looking at that roster, seeing uh, the, the obvious pieces when you look at Jonte Porter, Jeremiah Tillman, Kevin Perrier, um, but then also kind of dissecting their, their backcourt and, and seeing where the production's going to come from there and maybe looking at the unknowns they're going to have with that. Uh, but we did also go into the SEC itself and kind of talked about the state of the league, uh, teams that both of us are very high on heading into the season, and maybe teams uh, that we're having some question marks on, and maybe a team in particular that is kind of catching both of our, our eyes right now in terms of uh, a potential sleeper team, and not necessarily a team uh, that's going to make a Final Four run or anything like that, but maybe a team that could surprise you and be a little bit better than what their projection is probably going to be going into the season. So, uh, again, if you love Missouri basketball, there's stuff in here for you. If you love SEC basketball, there's stuff in here for you as well. And we also uh, talked about our picks we made. Sam does a very fun SEC pick that he sends out uh, to people like myself before the season starts, and you kind of just go through – and just sort of like a, a random, you know, gut pick on every single SEC game. Uh, we know it's not going to turn out that way, but it's always fun to do that and kind of see what your results are before the season starts to kind of get your feel uh, on specific teams because, as we talk about, the schedule does matter, and uh, we did talk about that, and I kind of revealed uh, who the teams were that I had at the top when I did that pick them that, that Sam sent out a couple weeks ago. So uh, a really fun discussion always is, uh, a great basketball mind. Uh, so without any further ado, here is the conversation with Rock M Nation writer Sam Snelling. All right, guys, welcome back in to the Southeast Soups podcast. With me is one of our more regular guests. Uh, it's been a while since we've had him on, but now with the 2018-19 season, uh, really close. We're about a month away now. I've decided to get him back on. We always enjoy not only the Missouri discussion with him, but the SEC discussion, and it's going to be a, a very intriguing year for both parties, uh, and that is none other than Rock Him Nation writer Sam Snelling. Sam, uh, it's been a while, but I know, just like me, you've had a, a busy off season, and uh, everything's kind of gearing up here for the season to get going. Yeah, I always think it's entertaining, the the idea of the off season for a lot of people, um, I always feel like, you know, for me, the, the off season is, is almost busier because you're, you're hunting a lot more for the storylines, uh, than you are during the season during season, like things just sort of happen. So you can, you, 
get into that that mode where it's like you know pre-game post-game pre-game post-game and uh off-season requires a lot more digging yeah it does and uh you've got a lot of recruiting stuff going on which i know there was a very recent development uh and that part i'm sure you'll be covering a lot here <laughs> very soon but um may not necessarily make Missouri fans happy, but it's something that will certainly be talked about uh, with E.J. Lindell and him deciding to go to Ohio State. But moving on to this season, uh, Sam, t- you know, we start off here and we look at Missouri. I've said a lot of times already this, this offseason, the SEC itself looks like it's just, it seems like last year we said how deep it was going to be. But especially you go into a year like this where I think you're probably looking at five, six teams that could probably be in the preseason top 25 and maybe, you know, five of those could be potential top 15, top 20 type of teams. Um, three potentially in the top 10, which you're seeing Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee, all those teams uh, in all of these preseason polls kind of land there. But when you look at Missouri, uh, we all know kind of last year, it, it's that breakthrough in Conzo Martin's season there. Um, it didn't go exactly like we thought it would with Michael Porter Jr. not being on the floor. And I don't think any of us from when the season started thought that it would kind of unfold the way that it did. However, certainly a positive boost of momentum to get to the NCAA tournament. And now you look at the roster this year, you've got some interesting pieces coming back. For you, and we'll dive more into the roster itself, what has kind of been maybe the, the main theme, sort of the, the overarching storyline for you this summer with this Missouri team? Uh, well, for me, it's sort of like what they're going to do uh, in the backcourt. You know, I think at this stage of the game, we kind of know what you're going to get from Jordan Geist. Uh, I think Jordan Geist is a little bit of an underrated guy for uh, for me personally. I think a lot of Missouri fans uh didn't really like his antics early on in his career, and uh, and he he wasn't super productive for Cam Anderson. But I I really think that last year down the stretch he was he was as solid at that sort of combo point guard role that he was playing and kind of forced into. Um, so I think you kind of count on him, uh, and then after that, like there's a whole lot of question marks. Um, I think Missouri has. Uh, one of, if not maybe the best front courts in the SEC. And yes, I realize, uh, you know, who is on Kentucky's roster, but I just think that uh, Jeremiah Tillman and John Say Porter are, are, you know, really going to be able to kind of take that sophomore step. Uh, and Kevin Purrier, I think we know, is, is solid and reliable. Um, and I think those three guys right there are enough to kind of get Missouri and make them competitive. Uh, you start Jordan Geist at uh, at the point, but then what are you going to do at, at, at off guard? What are you going to do on the wing? And, uh, you know, it, it seems right now their best answer might be, um, you know, Torrance Watson, who is a, a freshman and, and certainly a guy with a lot of potential and a guy that I'm a big fan of. But when you sort of look at the record of, of players like Torrance, who are, who are elite recruits, but not like super elite recruits, they tend to not really be super productive as freshmen. And I just think that's a whole lot to ask for, uh, for a guy with not a lot of experience, and there's just a, not a whole lot behind him. Well, and you bring that up, and that kind of, in my mind, I think about comparing it to the rest of the league, and, and there are going to be places where, let's say, a team like Vanderbilt, teams like that who are still relying on youth at the guard position because you've got, it's got Darius Garland coming in, a sophomore like Saban Lee. Uh, so you've got teams around the league that are going to be relying on underclassmen um, and like you said, if you have to rely on a freshman 
like Watson or something like that, maybe it's not the end of the world. But then you look at teams like Auburn, Tennessee, uh, places like that where you've got this experience and you've got these playmakers. Uh, and guard play in the SEC this year is going to once again take another step forward, I think. Look at LSU, Tremont Waters. Um, it's just you got so many playmaking guards. And that to me is – the biggest thing, when you try to rank these teams in the SEC going into the season, you look at Missouri, and that is a question mark. But to kind of transition that, like you said, you look at that front court, though, with Jonte Porter, Jeremiah Tillman, uh, the size they're going to have inside, they're going to be able to control these teams, even a team like Kentucky. They're going to be able to go up against any of these teams on a night-in, night-out basis that have that kind of size. Look at someone like you know, like we said, LSU's bringing in big guys. Mississippi State's got a lot of athleticism, size. Uh, so they have the guys that they can go at uh, with those type of teams. But in breaking those two players down specifically, Jonte is going to get all the attention looking at what he did last season. I think a lot of people did not think he would be back, uh, but he does come back. And you look at his game from last year, uh, the way he was able to contribute in a lot of different ways, you know, was able to shoot the ball, uh, contribute on defense. If you're kind of narrowing down his game going into this year, what's the biggest sort of step forward you, you would like to see from him going into this season? Well, it's kind of like you said. I mean, Jante is that uh, the prototypical new era big who can just do yeah. so many things offensively. And I, I think that he's still going to be a catalyst for that kind of role. He's still going to be a guy who's who's going to be needed to step out and hit shots from deep. He's going to have a lot of the offense facilitated through him, whether that's on the low block or the mid post or, or even on the wing, just because he's so capable of a passer. Uh, but the thing that I would really like to see him develop is, you know, when, when you have a guy who's like six eleven and 240 pounds, uh, he was one of the least physical big men in the league last year. He faded away from contact a lot. Uh, he, he really struggled to finish, uh, uh, you know, against stronger defenders. Uh, I, you know, I think now, I mean, when you compare someone to like Tyler Davis at, at Texas A&M, it's sort of unfair. That guy really turned his body into just a, a stone mountain. Uh, and he was in the in, inside, but you could see Jonte just really wasn't able to do anything against r- more physical bigs. And so what I'd like to see, uh, is I'd like to see him be more effective around the rim. Um, I still think his overall value, and this is this is the thing where I, I'm not saying he needs to park his butt on the block and be effective down there. His overall value is always going to be away from the basket, drawing guys away, uh, doing pick and pops, things like that. Um, but at at the end of the possession, they still are going to have to find a way to get him the ball in in a spot that he's going to be able to make a quick move and score. Uh, and there's no better place to do that than like maybe eight to 10 feet from the basket. Uh, so I'd like to see him get a little bit better down there. And, and if he becomes uh, more of a threat around the basket, uh, then I think Missouri is a team that's going to be able to kind of take another step. Yeah, absolutely. I'd agree with that. And you just kind of look at what he did last year, like you said, and you talked about being physical. One guy did not have a problem being physical and it showed in the foul count. And that was Jeremiah Tillman. Um, you know, I, I think we all kind of agree. I don't think anyone really expected it to play out like that in terms of the fouling issues. You can never kind of uh, predict those sorts of things. Uh, but he did have problems being in foul trouble. But aside from that, 
I think you just look at this kid and the, the physical tools and just the potential is through the roof. And I don't remember if I told you this, but you know, I was talking to somebody locked into SEC basketball, someone who's been a coach uh, in the past and is kind of now just viewing it uh, from another kind of part. And he was just raving about Jeremiah Tillman going into last season. He said, you know, I know they have the porters and all this. He said, but I think Jeremiah Tillman uh, eventually could be the best of them all because he just thought he had those types of tools. Certainly the foul stuff, uh, well documented, <laughs> like we said, that's going to yeah. be an area that has to improve. Um, and, and you know, Sam, we've seen this with guys in the past. That freshman year, coaches always say this, things kind of move really fast sometimes, and it takes a little while to maybe adjust to the speed of the game. And you, as the years goes by, the game starts to slow down a bit. Uh, other than the, the obvious stuff there, what are you kind of what are your expectations for him going into the season? Because I think, like we said, knowing the tools that he has, knowing the potential that is there, you're talking about someone. I think again, if that guard plays there and they can put them in a position to really succeed, I think he could be one of those guys we're talking about at the end of the year, being maybe one of those breakout players, not just in the SEC but really uh, around the nation. Well, absolutely, he's uh, as he's a really underrated athlete. And, and I think when you look at his size and and the way he kind of moves around the basket, he he's quick off, uh, that second jump, which, you know, I think a lot of people, when you watch basketball, you realize kind of how important that is. You know, if, if people kind of want to know why it's important, you just go watch somebody like Marvin Bagley, who was maybe the best second jumper that I've ever seen. Uh, but just that second hop where you can kind of get ahead of, the other player and 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 i think he's got that for for uh jeremiah i mean i've always kind of felt that if a guy is a fouling a lot that he's um that it, it's it's hopefully because he's playing too hard and i think that's certainly uh it's certainly the case for jeremiah I'd much rather have a guy that you have to kind of teach to scale back yeah, he's got a high motor. I think that's yeah, that's yeah. A, one of the biggest things to stand out. He's a, such a great motor, and I really do think that's something, like we said, that it's really value, a huge value for him because he doesn't stop. He just keeps going and going, it seems like. So he, he needs to get better. For for me, I think he really needs to get better doing like that sort of off-the-ball defense, being the rotational guy who can kind of you know be the secondary defender that can block the shot as opposed to trying to block the shot straight on. Uh, he needs to learn to kind of pick those spots where he can um, get to the shot, and then uh, and the other times where he just needs to play it straight up and make somebody make a tough tough shot over the top. Uh, there's been rumors that he's uh, trying to kind of develop his his shooting a little bit. I've always thought that even though he wasn't a great free throw shooter last year, I mean the ball comes off his hand nice, which usually is a good sign for somebody that you can just sort of work with and get him in the gym and and get the repetitions in that he can start making those. Uh, but I, I think if, if you see him be more effective in that sort of uh, 10 to 15 foot range, um, being able to knock down jumpers and, and, and work uh, not quite a pick and pop, but uh, you know, stop on a dive and stuff like that uh, and still be an effective offensive player. Then I, I think Missouri is just could be really, really tough because you already have, a guy like that with Jonte Porter. Now, if you have two bigs who can do that, then uh, you know certainly pick and rolls. They're just going to pick and roll people to death, and then you know that's becomes incredibly difficult to stop. 
You talk about the pick and roll, and I think looking at their offensive philosophy going into the season, um, I, I wonder how dramatically different maybe it is from, from a year ago or, or how things kind of look. And certainly there are going to be differences when you lose someone like Cassius Robertson. Uh, they shot a lot of threes. I think they finished fifth maybe in the SEC in three-point attempts. I want to say, and you probably know this off the top of your head, I want to say it was around 24 games, something like that. Um, you know, going into this year, how do you kind of see their offense? And we, we mentioned the guards. I mean, I think that's going to kind of decide everything and sort of how they play, um, you know, what type of style they want to play specifically. We know that Porter, Tillman, Perrier, those guys, a lot of stuff's going to have to run through them. Uh, but how do you kind of maybe see, are there some tweaks you see for them kind of on the offensive end of the floor going into a year like this where, where they don't have that experience at guard? Well, if there's one advantage of the the guards that they do have is I do think that they've got guys who are maybe a little more willing to go towards the basket. Um, you know, Cassius was never really a, a primary ball threat all through his college career. He was a guy who who was going to run off screens and, and, you know, find the open spot and knock down jumpers. And, and he, he was admirable in his role last year when he sort of had the ball put in his hands a little bit more than he was used to. Uh, you know, Jordan Barnett was the second leading scorer and you look at his usage rates and I mean, he was on the floor a lot and scoring, uh, but he was not really handling the ball. He was a guy who's going to get a lot of his uh, points through, uh, you know, kickouts and, uh, and then also through, you know, a couple dives toward the basket and, 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 and cutting and putbacks and stuff like that. Like that was pretty much where you got Jordan Barnett's offense. So this year you look at guys like uh, Xavier Pinson, who uh, is, is really kind of a fearless freshman. I think uh, Mizzou fans are going to enjoy him as he kind of continues to grow. But you look at him, you look at uh, Torrance Watson, who I think has just got a scorer's mentality. You got guys who are a lot more willing to kind of turn the corner on those pick and rolls and they're going to uh from there kind of keep the the defense honest. Um for me like one of the keys that they're going to need from a three-point shooting perspective actually comes from Kevin Perrier who I think is an adequate shooter who shot really poorly last year. Um you know he had a few moments he had the I think game winner against I think it was Mississippi State uh which obviously was a was a huge three but for the season, I think he was well into the twenties, and I think he's a guy that needs to get back into the mid thirties. And if he's if he's more of a threat from deep, then I think that is going to help the spacing, and it's going to open up the drive lanes for the for the guys that they need to kind of attack the rim. A couple guys we haven't talked about, and we won't dive into every single player on the entire roster right now, but KJ Santos uh, and Christian Guest. Those are two guys. Guest was someone you rarely, I guess, you see someone added so late, but he was added very uh, not too long ago at this point. And then you look at someone like Santos who had to uh, sit out last season. Uh, what do you maybe kind of see? We talk about you know maybe these unknowns when you look at the backcourt and things like that, um, and on the wing possibly. But what are your kind of expectations maybe for those two guys? Well, Santos is uh, certainly a, a giant question mark. If you just look at his measurables, then there's yeah. a lot to be intrigued about. I mean, you look at a guy who's six foot eight, two hundred twenty pounds, and plays on the wing, and and it's certainly there's a lot of reason to be excited by that. Um, you know, if he can kind of take over a little bit of that Barnett role, where you know he's he's just going to defend, he's going to get his points from kickouts, and he's going to you know attack the rim through. Uh, you know, th- through some closeouts here and there, then I think 
you're probably looking at a serviceable piece. Now, the, the question for me with Santos at this point is, is if he's going to be able to stay healthy. I mean, he's already uh, got a boot on his foot from a foot injury, and, and he's not participating in practice uh, some, for the first few days. And, and that's not really a great sign for a guy that has sort of had injury issues in the past. Um, and Missouri needs him. Missouri really needs uh, his size. and needs somebody who can be uh, a reliable three-point shooter. Uh, and and I think that's sort of what they're hoping they're going to get from Santos. Uh, as big of a question mark as he is, I think the even bigger question mark is Christian <laughs> Guest because it's really not very often that you add guys to the roster for that season in September. Um, you know, but they got the waiver that they needed from the NCAA, and and you know apparently Ohio State and West Virginia were kind of kicking the tires on him and and kind of hoping that he would make it to prep school and they could take him next year. Um, I'm maybe less convinced that, that he's going to be the answer on the wing just because I think you've got, uh, you know, Torrance Watson, whom I'm very, very high on. And, and you've also got, uh, Mark Smith sitting out this year, who I think is, is really going to help them on the wing next year. Um, and guess is a guy who isn't really known for being super skilled. He's not really known for being a great shooter. He's a, he's an open floor athlete. Uh, so it'll be kind of interesting because they've got Guess, who's kind of known for that style of play, a guy who's not afraid to attack, but he wants to get out and run. Uh, and they've got, you know, Mario McKinney in the 2019 class, uh, who's kind of in that same mold, who's known as being a great open floor uh, athlete and guy that wants to get out and attack. And and how those guys kind of fit with, I think, the, the two Smiths who are sitting out this year, uh, who are probably going to be considered more like control the ball and uh, and, you know, attack the rim in the half court uh, sort of guard. So, uh, that, I mean, there's certainly going to be a lot of intrigue in how Konzo is using these pieces throughout the season. Um, I think that they'll find a useful piece in Santos. I think they'll find a role for him, but I'm still skeptical whether or not they'll find uh, a way to kind of fit guess in. Yeah, Santos uh, he comes over from UIC, and, and they say he started 30 games a freshman. He shot 36.6% from three. And like you said, the measurables, I think that's what sticks out to anyone. If you just look at the Missouri roster on paper, even, you see a guy listed at 6'8", 220, and a guard. Um, that's that's not bad. And so, yeah, I think he, he's very interesting to me, one of the more intriguing players on the roster to see how he helps because, like you mentioned, they're going to need that, uh, I think, from him. Uh, let's talk about the the sideline for a second. Conso Martin, you know, we talked about last year what they were able to do. Um, just general observations. Well, you know, we've talked since the season's been over and such and not necessarily having to go back uh, to everything that happened last year, but was there anything that maybe surprised you about, whether it's just his coaching style, philosophy, um, or is there anything that you kind of look at from last season uh, that maybe you feel really good about, and maybe there's some things that, that you still kind of question uh, going forward here. Well, um, so that, that this is a, a lot to sort of talk about yeah. <laughs> uh, for me personally, because you know, because y- y- you know me pretty well at this point, you know uh, the things that I like about basketball, and, and you know, Conzo for most of his career didn't really exemplify a lot of those things, right? Um, you know, he is sort of a, a you know, a, a ground and pound, um, you know, the, the football term would be, you know, three yards in a cloud of dust. I mean, that was sort of the style that he played. Uh, him coming in uh, last season and basically t- 
taking a new approach to offense, being more open, uh, and and really kind of adapting to it. What I think is the the new era of basketball, which which is really kind of pace and space and trying to get uh, trying to get guys open looks and and in position to be able to score easy baskets. And and he did that. He made the adjustment. Uh, for him, the next step is going to be is 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 he going to recruit the roster that is going to keep that style of play and also increase the pace. Uh, that's what I would like to personally see. Obviously, I think a lot of Missouri fans are. Uh, probably just more worried whether or not he can he can sort of win enough games. Um, I think that with his mentality and and his sort of focus and drive and and the kind of players that he likes to recruit, which are guys that are you know like him, just stubborn and and uh, and really hard workers and and stern guys. And I think if if he does that and he adapts his offense to be more open and free. Uh, continues to defend, uh, defend and rebound the way that his his squads have in the past, uh, then I think that he's going to do what he needs to do to sort of make me a full believer, uh, which is get Missouri to that next level. Missouri has never been to a Final Four. Uh, there's enough talent coming up through the state and, and around uh, the state. To, if he can secure a, a healthy amount of it, then I think he can build the kind of roster that can make that breakthrough. Um and if he can do that, then I think he'll turn a lot of people into believers. Uh, if he becomes the guy that for the next five years uh, has Missouri at you know twenty and ten and and a nine seed in the NCAA tournament, I mean there will be some people that'll that'll be happy. But to me, that'll be basically like Conzo showing us who he's been his whole career is a good coach, but not a great coach, uh, and certainly. It, you know, having a good coach is an upgrade of what they've had and, and having that consistency might be, uh, you know, what Missouri needs. Um, but the big question mark for me is, is, can he take Missouri from being maybe like a top 30, 40 kind of program to being a top 20 to 15 kind of program? Uh, and if he's able to do that, then I, I certainly think that uh, the question marks of, of what kind of coach Conzo Martin is, I think those will completely go away. Yeah, and you know as well as I do, you know, I think coaching is all about adjustments, and especially now. And I think you'll, we've talked about the roster this year specifically. I mean, I think you'll have to be a little creative sometimes in terms of what they do. And like you said, you know, having that willingness to, to try some different things. Um, I think he really did that last year, and I think it's going to be interesting to see kind of how they do that here moving forward uh, with a roster like they have this year. And you mentioned, you know, getting to a Final Four, wanting to be a team uh, that is consistently in that top 20 every single season. Uh, Maybe, you know, five, six years ago, seven years ago, whatever, that was a little bit easier due to the level of competition around the SEC. But now you look at it, we know how strong it's gotten, and to kind of transition into Missouri's place in the league, especially going into the 2018-19 season, Sam, um, you and I have talked a lot in terms of just uh, it's such a a league this year, and it seems like, you know, without kind of saying it over and over, it's just the depth's getting better every year, the recruiting's getting better every year. I mean, as we're recording this, you just look around and see today, like we said, I mean, look at a team like Florida who really hasn't had trouble recruiting-wise, but they get a top 50 kid, Omar Payne, for 2019. And that's just one of many 
players we're talking about in terms of all these top recruits that are going places, not just Kentucky anymore, but they're going to other places around the SEC and the level. Yeah, Georgia got another four-star kid today too. So Georgia gets another international player. Uh, It seems like Tom Green really making a a push there (laughs) on that regard. And you know, and I feel like we may talk a little bit about Georgia uh, before this conversation is over, but. You look at Missouri's kind of place, and that'll kind of take us into the rest of the SEC. But I, I think right now, I look at a tier. I've told you, I think there's like maybe six SEC teams that I could put in that top 25 uh, to start the season, and I wouldn't be too upset about it. Uh, and that's not just the SEC homer in me, that's just the truth when you look at these rosters uh, from top to bottom. Uh, you look at Kentucky, Auburn, Tennessee. Uh, Mississippi State, LSU, I think they're both set to take a pretty big jump forward. Florida, uh, I think they're going to maybe be a little under the radar in terms of probably people are going to have them a little below those other five. Uh, But you look at those teams, and then you've got that mix, I think. I want to see what Vanderbilt does with these young players that they've got coming in. This freshman class is outstanding. You look at Alabama, I think getting Lewis in at a point guard was huge for them, knowing that Colin Sexton's gone, Jared Butler transferred. They had to have that. Um, And then they've got the other pieces they've got coming back. And then I think you throw Missouri in there in terms of, like we said, just seeing how the guard play uh, kind of unfolds. But it's so hard to predict, and it seems like it's that way every year. But I think this this year especially, it's just so tough to predict kind of where maybe some of these teams are going to fall. Yeah, I think – the one thing that stands out to me is uh, I think last year the SEC had a whole lot of teams that were NCAA tournament worthy, but weren't necessarily top 25 worthy. Right. Uh, so, and that was like the next sort of uh, progression for the league to take is, is to start getting more teams in the tournament. Uh, this year, I think they're every bit as capable of getting as many teams as they got in last year, but the top level of the conference I think you're looking at teams that are much more likely to be able to land a protected seed, which I don't really think you could have said the same thing last year. Um, You know, I I think what you do is you look at Kentucky, Tennessee and Auburn who were who were kind of in that close to protected or protected seed already. I think those three teams are obviously right back at it. Um, But I think Tennessee and Kentucky, for me especially, uh, I think are teams that could be looking at a one or a two seed. Uh, Auburn has a few more question marks for me, even though they're getting kind of some really talented guys back in because uh, the guys that they're getting back, they weren't necessarily great defenders when they were there. And that was the one area where Auburn really struggled in Bruce Pearl's early tenure. So my early take on them is I wouldn't be completely surprised to see Auburn take a little bit of a step back. I still think they're they're top three or four in the in the league. Um, but when you look at like the top and you look at the bottom, I think the top and the bottom are a little more defined than they were, uh, last year. And then the, the muddled middle, I think is maybe even more, maybe even more complex. Uh, you know, I, I'm not very high on Texas A&M. I just think that they lost a lot. They don't really have a lot coming in. Um, and they're just have way too many questions, uh, for me to be able to think that they'll be anything other than sort of a bottom level team. And I think Ole Miss is probably kind of in that same area, but sometimes a new coach can kind of give you the energy that you need. Um, so I, you know, I think what you do is you sort of look at the top four or five, which, you know, for me, I, I've got 
LSU, Mississippi State, Auburn, Tennessee, Kentucky as my top five. Alabama is just on the outside. And then I look at sort of the clump of Missouri, Vanderbilt, Florida. If any of those teams are able to kind of get a leg up on the other, uh, then I think you could be looking at maybe nine uh, total uh, in the NCAA plays. And then that wouldn't surprise me. Yeah, I wouldn't either. And I think for me, at least right now, I think that's probably the expectation just because we know how these teams have scheduled. Um, it works out very well for them every year. And like we said, this this could be a year where if you're fifth or sixth in the SEC, um, you could still be a top 20. You're still probably going to be a top 25 type of team. So it's not going to be what it was in the past. And I think that's a just that just shows you how far this league's come. But to kind of touch on some of the teams you mentioned, I think Texas A&M, there are just so many unknowns, and they're going to completely kind of change the way they play. You know, I've talked, we had Billy Kennedy on the podcast this summer, and that was the main thing he brought up. He said, you know, I think we're going to have to try to play more like we did at Murray State, where we're getting up and down the floor with, with T.J. Starks, Admon Gilder, because you don't have, you know, the the, the two 6'10 guys, the three, I guess you count, Tony Trosh Morelos, and it's like, you don't have those guys. You're not playing through those guys anymore. Uh, so there are a lot of unknowns. Uh, you mentioned Ole Miss and Georgia. I think those two are very fascinating to me. And you and I talked before we even started recording. We were laughing. And I'm not going to bring up the team's name that I was mentioning. But I said <laughs> I, I said there was one team that I was really, really high on about probably a month ago. And... I I talked to somebody that would, would know a lot about how things have progressed, you know, and all that type of stuff. And, and I said, what do you think? And they're like, I would not be as high on them. And I was like, okay, well, I trust your opinion. So I transitioned from that particular team to the another team, and that is Georgia, because the more I look at the roster, I have no idea what they're going to do without Yontay Maton on the floor. But I think that's part of it that kind of draws me to them, uh, because they do have Tom Green, and I know you'll you'll speak to kind of his level of development as a coach uh, and what he's been able to do in the past. But I look at that Georgia roster, I'm worried about their ability to score. Um, but I do think they have some options. And I've said this so many times that people probably get tired of it, but I absolutely love that sophomore class with Rayshon Hammonds, Nick Claxton, uh, Tishon Hightower. I think those guys all have a ton of potential I think it's just a matter with Georgia. Can they be that sleeper team in the SEC that maybe creeps up there? I think it's probably all just going to depend on how they play this year and what they can get out of guys like Turtle Jackson, Tyree Crump. Yeah, and that's the thing for me is, is you know, I told you before we started that if I had to pick a dark horse, I might take Georgia just because, you know, Mark Fox always recruited pretty well. He was never like an elite level recruiter. Uh, you know, he had a share of kind of landing some some high level guys, but he did pretty well. You know, like he he landed some guys that uh, that were desirable, that were four star level players, and guys at the guard position that never really developed. Uh, which is the one area that I think you can sort of point to Tom Crean and say he can develop guards. Um, you look at a guy like Victor Oladipo, who he had at, at Indiana, a guy that was pretty unheralded, and he he helped him become, uh, you know, an NBA level player. And I I'm not saying that Tom Crean's going to come in one off season and and Tyree Crump's going to be a you know lottery pick. Like I did, I don't necessarily think that's the case. But if they can find a way to actually get some outside shooting, 
and if they do what I think Tom Cream will probably do, which is try to play their offense more with, with a guy like Hammonds at the four instead of playing him at the three, and I think what that does is that makes him a lot more dangerous offensively. Uh, what, what you're going to do also by playing him at the four is you're going to have fewer minutes for guys who just aren't really offensive threats, like you know Derek Ogbede, who I really like as a player, as a role guy. Uh, but I think if you have less minutes for him, uh, a, even fewer minutes for Nick Claxton, who I'm high on, but uh, and then Mike Edwards as well, you just have less minutes for guys at the post level who aren't really giving you anything at the post. And what you're doing is, is you're pushing the offense out uh, to let guys be more uh, attack frame of mind. And, and, and if you're able to get uh, Hammonds the ball a little bit more, uh, kind of in that, that 15 to 18 foot range and let him attack, I just think that he's such a good passer. Um, he's a guy that, now again, it all comes down to if Georgia can make <laughs> shots. Because yeah. if, they, if they don't have it, like last year, I think, uh, the, their top returning three-point shooter from last season is what, like thirty-one or thirty-two percent. Like it's it's not pretty. Uh, so if if that's going to happen again, yeah, they're they're going to be a you know five or six-win team. Um, but if they get some outside shooting, man, like I really think that Georgia could be a team to surprise people. Well, and here you go. Here's the numbers you need on that because I spent a lot of the day <laughs> writing them down. I said Georgia was a team I really uh, took a deep dive on uh, today specifically. I always do this with every team, but I was adding to my Georgia notes today. And, um, you know, Yonte Mayton took 14 shots a game last year. The next guy behind that was Turtle Jackson, who only took eight shots a game. Um, they were 334th in tempo. You mentioned they're going to have to – they need to play faster, I think, go through – uh, they have, I mean, they're a very athletic team. I mean, be able to play faster, not play slow uh, to where they're having to take spot-up jump shots because I just don't think this is a team that's going to be able to thrive on that. Uh, I think they were 322nd in the nation last year in three-point percentage. They only shot 31.8%. Uh, ironically, they were great two-point percentage-wise. We talked about Tyree Crump. I think he's someone that can really kind of break out, but it seems like we've been saying that. Uh, he struggled from the field last year, shot around 35%. Turtle Jackson led the team with only 52 three-pointers. So that's a bunch of numbers just to kind of back up what you said in terms of they're going to have to shoot the ball better to be maybe that sleeper type of team that we talked about. Well, and if I can hop in real quick, I want to make one more point on Georgia. Uh, Mark, Mark Fox, I think, is a really good coach but one of the things he didn't really do is he didn't give his guys a lot of chances to to shoot open threes and there there's a yeah. big difference between shooting a guarded and shooting an open three and i seem to remember watching a lot of georgia where they're late in the clock and they're often end up taking really well guarded shots and i think part of that is trying to funnel their offense so much through yante Mayton and so much through the posts that they're not getting a whole lot of movement and getting guys uh, on kickouts that they're going to be open and being able to shoot. And I think, to me, that was the big difference between a team like Missouri, who shot the ball well from three, is they had a lot of open threes. And when you have open threes, you're more likely to knock them down. And I think it's always kind of fascinating to see how guys move into more expanded roles, especially guys that haven't had to be in, you know, they haven't had to rely on some of these guys at all in terms of being needing them to be a consistent scorer on a night and night out basis. But you're going to have to have that, you know, from someone like Turtle Jackson and Rayshon Hammonds, like we said, I think he's having a breakout year. Um, but you look at some of the other teams, you know, Arkansas, 
My goodness, Arkansas is just so young, and I know they have Daniel Gafford, and I know that Arkansas fans want to believe that that's going to well, be so enough. But <laughs> is is there any explanation for why Daniel Gafford came back to school? Uh, when you consider the fact that how much they lost, and that they don't—I mean, they have some some guys who I think will be you know good for your players, and I, I really like the foundation of the 2018 class as like a good Mike Anderson class. But when that's all you're going to rely on and you have Daniel Gafford, uh, I mean, I love Gafford. He's a really exciting player, but you're going to have, have to have him do a lot next year. And I just, yeah, I just don't see it. Well, and that's the thing. And this is not a knock on Gafford. Like you said, I mean, he's a, he's an unbelievable player and he's going to be taken very, very high in the NBA draft next year. Uh, but, you have to give some credit too to Daryl Macon, Jalen Barford for being able to help him uh, play the way he did last year. I mean, they played a big part in that with their role. I mean, that experience, uh, what they were able to do took a lot of pressure off of him. And now when you don't have that, there's no doubt what teams are going to be doing from a defensive standpoint every single time they step on the floor uh, because you just, you're going to want to, you know, pressure their guards because you don't really know what you're going to get because you have so many young players and that goes back to that youth we were talking about earlier that they're having to rely on. Um, so I do wonder about Arkansas. I think it's just a matter of seeing uh, how well things come around Gafford and how much they're able to develop in a quick amount of time. And I think I said this in one of the podcasts maybe a week ago, you're going to have to win on the road in the SEC if you want to be an upper-tier type of team. And Arkansas really hasn't been a great road team, period. Uh, even when they've had you know upperclassmen, they've had older teams. Uh, I think this could be one of those years where they're they're going to struggle, uh, especially away from away from home. Um, so you look at them. We mentioned Ole Miss. I'm a huge Kermit Davis fan. Everybody knows that from what he did uh, here locally at Middle Tennessee, and just the way he built that program up was pretty incredible to see. But I, I look at the roster, and Terrence Davis is kind of one of those players that. I've always been very high on him. I think it's just a consistency thing and shooting percentages. Um, everything's going to probably go through him this year, and I just wonder if they have enough uh, in terms of just that overall depth and maybe how things, you know, guys like Bruce Stevens, um, Brian Tyree, that development there, and they've got a lot of newcomers as well, so you don't ever know kind of what those players are going to do, how they're going to uh, factor into the mix because you've got a completely uh, revamped group of newcomers. So, and then South Carolina, um, Chris Silva's back. I think Justin Manaya is someone who's going to take a big step forward. Other than that, I think you've, you've got some question marks because Frank Mark does have some newcomers as well uh, from a guard standpoint, and they just have to be one of We talked about Georgia. South Carolina's a team that just has to be able to shoot the ball better uh, and present maybe more of an offensive threat than they did last year. Well, for me, like the, the Gamecocks are – are a team where they're dying for some continuity um, and they're dying for continuity at guard. Like I actually like the class that they're, they're bringing in the, the young class of, uh, that like you think TJ Moss is a guy who can be pretty good for them. And uh, there's another uh, guard that they have coming in uh, that I, I think is going to be pretty good. Another wing. Uh, so the class overall I like, but I mean, how many of those guys are going to stick? I just think there's been way too many, players who have potential that have left the program early uh and it's kind of prevented frank martin from building the kind of continuity at that program that that it, 
that a place like South Carolina needs. Like when they went on that Final Four run, they had a lot of guys that have been there uh, for a lot of years and and had kind of been there for the building of the program. And he was also able to get you know two you know fairly elite players in in Thornwell and, and Dozier and guys that they could really kind of run the offense through. Um, and that was sort of the difference between South Carolina being uh, NCAA tournament team versus being, you know, a, a bottom level SEC team. And I just don't know that they have the guys right now that are on the roster to, to sort of elevate them up offensively. I, you know, I think Silva is a guy who is great at drawing fouls and, 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 and giving you some production. Um, but I just don't think that that's enough because you don't have anybody at the guard position who can really control the control the game. Yeah, I'm just the more I look at them, uh, it just has to be it's it's you've got to mix and match uh, around a lot of these places, and it's like some of these teams where you have your unknowns, the guard play is a big question mark. Some of these teams, it's like you don't know what you're going to get out of your big guys. Um, so it is, it's going to be another intriguing year of SEC basketball, and I know Sam, you and I will be there uh, to go through all of it, the ups and downs. Um, and it's going to be another fun season. And like we've said so many times now, I think you just look from top to bottom. It's going to be as strong as I think it's been. And the biggest point, and you made it, you've got teams this year in that upper half that you don't feel like are just teams that are just going to get to the NCAA tournament. You feel like they're built uh, to make a second weekend or beyond type of run in the tournament you know you could have five or six different teams that have that ability and I think that's just going to make for a very competitive season it's so hard to predict so while we're sitting here talking about the question marks <laughs> we have uh with all these different teams Missouri included South Carolina Ole Miss um Arkansas Texas A&M you know that doesn't mean anything because uh th- there's a lot of good talent at all these different programs um and some of these teams it's just a matter of seeing how chemistry comes together because there are a lot of new faces, and like we said earlier, there's a lot of freshmen uh, that are going to be relied upon in very key roles for some of these teams that are projected to be uh, at the, in the upper half of the SEC. So it will be a lot of fun to watch. Uh, Sam, just overall thoughts, I mean, for Missouri, just what would you consider, let's say, your, your expectations right now for Missouri, what do you kind of see maybe uh, for them What's the highest point you feel like a team like this with the way the roster is built right now, what's the highest point they could reach and maybe what would you consider to be a disappointment for, for this season? I mean, honestly, like the highest, probably like 10 and eight in the league, um, you know, maybe like a, a seven or an eight seed. Uh, I just think there are way too many question marks at you know, garden wing for, for me to have any sort of expectations higher than that. Uh, you know, having John say and, and, and Tillman and, and Kevin Purrier, if he can elevate his game, you know, maybe they bump up a little bit more than that, but I just, I don't think they have a, a strong enough non-conference schedule to, to get enough kind of signature wins to kind of get them any higher than maybe like a, a seven seed. Um, I certainly think the expectation for them should be to make the tournament. Um, a disappointing season, uh, you know, for me, like it kind of depends because I, I think they're a team that should probably win at least eight games in the league. If they win fewer than that, then, then I think it would be disappointing. Um, if they are missing the NCAA tournament, were they at least competitive and maybe just had a few games kind of go against them or were they, 
just not able to shoot and be effective offensively and and uh and basically just maybe won all their home games and and were pretty ugly on the road then i think that would also be disappointing i just think overall like what you want to see if you're a missouri fan is you want to see a team that at least is going to give themselves a shot to be in the NCAA tournament yep and that's all you can ask for i think in a league like this and uh it is it's going to be a lot of fun and it's always a lot of fun catching up uh, with you, Sam. And I know people who are listening to this already know where to find your stuff. But uh, <laughs> what is all the great stuff? I know you're getting ready to start rolling out your SEC previews. We did our – we were laughing. We You always do a – you send out a pick em, um, just sort of a blind pick em we do for every single SEC game. It is always one of my most exciting times of the year because <laughs> I do not – like, I am one of those when I do this. Again, you have a schedule. It has every single SEC game on it. We pick a winner of every game. Like, I don't stop and think about it. I just roll through, and I'm like, all right, I'm going to go with this team. and go with that team. It's going to not mean a whole lot once the season gets here, <laughs> but it is so fun to do. But oddly enough, I think you and I had very, very close – uh, outcomes and it, it ended up being about what I thought it would be so I was uh, kind of happy with my picks but I know you got a lot of great stuff coming up over there Sam so let everybody know what they can find there well yeah so we uh, we always do those uh, my previews start coming out um, basically I do one preview per team leading up to the season running every weekday so Monday through Friday this uh, year the timing kind of works out that I'm going to start on the 16th so uh, we're just a couple weeks away from from those starting to kind of roll out uh, we are doing a lot of great stuff at Rockham Nation. There's a, a, a host of podcasts. There's uh, Dive Cuts, which me and, and Matt Harris, if you are interested in, in Missouri basketball, you should definitely go give Matt a follow. He's also a, a big basketball fan, so he tweets about the NBA and SEC basketball as well. Um, and we just have a lot, a lot of stuff going on, man. Um, the, the, it's funny that you mentioned the picks because the thing that I like about making people go through that process is you it's a whole lot different ranking the teams in the sec and being like oh i think this team's going to be good i think we'll put kentucky at the top yep. every year and <laughs> you know and then like and then we'll filter in and this team probably won't be as good they'll go at the bottom schedule uh, matters. you actually have to pick the games yeah with the unbalanced schedule it changes a lot and uh and you really have to kind of pay attention to where your picks are if uh uh, if you're not careful, you can end up with some really c- kind of crazy things. And um, like I, I have people that have submitted their picks that have, uh, you know, like Florida going 15 and three, and and you know, and nothing against Florida, but right. I really don't think that's going to happen. Or Ole Miss going 0 and 18. Like, yeah, I'm pretty sure Ole Miss is going to win at least one game. Yeah. Uh, but it's this when you just roll through it game by game. That's that's how things can kind of happen. Yeah, I was uh, I was happy with how mine turned out. I want to say, and I don't remember this off the top of my head, so I'm not going to try to list the whole thing. But I think I actually had Kentucky and Auburn both finished with the same record at the top. So I, you I don't, did, yes. Yeah, I, ha- I I just pulled up your picks up, and you had uh, both of them at 14 and four. See, I don't I don't hate that. So I don't hate it. But um, <laughs> it turned out better than I thought it would because I think last year. It's funny. I think last year. I had to do mine like three or four times. I was like, how in the world did I get this? Um, but this year, I, I feel pretty good about doing it uh, the first go around. So that was a lot of fun. And, and like Sam said, you'll be able to uh, read all that and check out all of his SEC previews. Uh, just phenomenal job he does with all those. And him and Matt do an unbelievable job on the podcast. 
uh, the two smartest guys I know. I'll tell you that when it comes to uh, not only Missouri basketball, but uh, <laughs> basketball period. But we'll just say that, Sam. That's your new label here <laughs> on the podcast. I'll take it. Yep. So, all right, uh, Sam, thanks for joining me, man. And we'll talk to you here soon. All right, Blake, anytime, man. All right, that was the conversation with Rock M Nation writer Sam Snelling. And as we talked about, uh, be sure to follow all Sam's work over there at rockmnation.com uh, and his podcast as well. Always a, a fun listen. Uh, he has a lot of SEC basketball-related content on the podcast, not just Missouri-specific, but some SEC stuff as well. So be sure to follow Sam's work. Uh, does a tremendous job. And a- as we you know, spent almost an hour talking about uh, you're definitely going to want to follow SEC basketball this season. If you're listening to the podcast, uh, you already do that, but it's certainly going to be a year where there's plenty to talk about uh, all around the league at all these different schools, uh, and that's going to make uh, for a lot of fun covering it and being able to talk about it on a regular basis. And, again, Sam does a, a wonderful job with that, so be sure you follow all his stuff. Follow him on Twitter, at uh, Sam T. Snelling, uh, as well. That way you don't miss any of the stuff he has Uh, coming up there as he starts to roll out his individual SEC previews, uh, which we'll also be doing over at southeasthoops.com. I'll have all my stuff going up as usual. Uh, Really been focusing on the podcast here lately, as you guys can tell. Uh, But the written stuff will be there. And yes, for another season, a couple people have asked me, the SEC predictions will be back uh, for another year. And uh, it seems to be one of the more entertaining parts of the season. Uh, As you guys know, I do a a daily, you know, when there's an, an SEC team playing, I always do a post, a uh, written post with my predictions for the game, kind of previewing everything. So that will be back for, for another year with some added wrinkles this year that I think you're going to enjoy. But uh, be sure to subscribe to the podcast. Go over to iTunes, just search for Southeast Hoops. Uh, that way you get all these episodes uh, delivered to you. And, yes, they are more frequent now. They'll continue to be as we head into uh, the start of the season, uh, a little about a month away now. Um, and as I mentioned on the last podcast, SEC Media Day coming up. We'll have a lot of audio from that as well. Uh, so I'll add that to the podcast and a lot of great stuff coming over at southeasthoops.com for the written stuff. So be sure you subscribe so you don't miss any of the stuff uh, that's on the way. So thanks as always for listening, and I will talk to you guys next time.